That's right, listeners. Now we're talking about seafood. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, welcome back. Zoe Flowers here back with another episode of The Magic Hours. And today I get to talk with a longtime healing colleague, artist, healer, friend, Kadeem. And so Kadeem is a holistic wellness practitioner and offers tools to help balance their mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual states. He has been quoted in Forbes, Vogue, Martha Stewart Living, Healthline, The Huffington Post, and Sunday Times. So Kadeem, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Zoe. So glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. So first thing, like I said, I want to switch things up a little bit. And so I want to hear about your book. I'm so curious about it and um, the topic, of course, but more so what made you want to be an author? Like what was this? Because I know you as a dancer, a healer. Mm-hmm. Right. But author, I was like, oh, okay, Kadeem, I see you. So tell us about that journey, that road to being an author. Yeah. Um, I think I've come to realize I've always enjoyed writing. I know that I feel like that was always one of my strengths. I've always loved English class in school. That was always my strongest class was English. Um, I also know even in high school, I mean, I was writing essays a lot, but my teachers always used to tell me, Kadeem, your papers sound too colloquial. They need to sound more academic. So I was like, oh, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. okay. Right. Okay. Right. But I know for me, like, writing in a certain way, I think that was my, um, like sometimes authors, they have, like, their own technique or, like, their own spice, you know, that makes them, like, their own unique, right, author. They're not like everyone else. I think that's, that's like, right. my own unique take and spice. That's like me and my forte is writing in this colloquial way, telling stories. But I will say that when I got to college, that worked very well. I mean, talk about essays and writing, I did very, very well in college with that. Because I mean, I think the professors appreciated that sort of style and technique. So um, yeah, I feel for me, because I've always enjoyed writing, didn't think I'll be writing a book at this time. Because people used to ask me, oh, when are you going to write your book? And I was like, <laughs> you're funny. Give me in 20, 30, 40 years from now when I'm writing my autobiography, when I'm you know older. But I went through such a life momentous changing experience. And it happened in uh, mid to oh, late. Oh, we need the, well, give us the name. Give us the name of the book. Oh. Name of the book. It's a very long name, long title, but it's a very cheeky name called The Spiritual Guru walks into the house of a cash master and the rest is history. Right. Thank you. So, yes. So it is my experience living with someone that considers himself to be a cash master. But realizing that the book, yes, talks about the stories and things that I learned about living with this particular cash master. It also talks about things I learned about myself, ways that I was able to move through it, and tools and, tools and techniques I was able to use to help myself move through difficult situations. So the book in many ways is, is kind of, you know, a mixture of like an expose, diary entry, but also like a wellness guide to help people overcome 
things that they're going through in their life that might be traumatic or difficult. Okay. All right. Expose and wellness. Yes. All right. Okay. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. So it's uh-huh. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, it came out March 2021. So I started the process. So I started, I started writing when I was living with this particular individual. I think I started writing it. This was probably October 2020. I started writing it. And oh. then it came out March 2021. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. And so is the medium that you're working with mainly narrative essay or are you, have you ventured into poetry or any other type of writing? I would say it's more narrative essay because there was even a moment in time where, you know, living in New York City, I used to go through these interesting experiences on the train or traveling. I used to sometimes write like my experiences living in New York City on my Facebook and people used to look forward to my stories. Oh, my I used to go Remember that, right? Yes, right. absolutely. So I feel like that is, yeah, that's been, yeah, that's been my sort of style, like this narrative, narrative writing for me. Okay, so since we we've gotten to that, and I'm sure we'll come back around at the end, so we can find out how people can buy the book and all of that. We'll and get in touch with you. We'll come back to that at the end, but I just wanted to hear more about it right out the gate. So. Tell us about who you are in the world. Yeah. Name, where are you from? All that good stuff. And where are you in the world? Okay, because I didn't want to give your last name because I didn't know if you were still doing last name and stuff. I seen Kadeem One. So, okay. Yes, yeah, that's good. Yes, Kadeem Austin Roman. Kadeem One is. More when I do more wellness, spiritual stuff, that's the sort of platform or organization I sort of tend to use is the okay. more platform. But yeah, Kadeem Molson Roman, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, born to Leslie Alston and Maurice Roman, hence the Alston and Roman together. Um, was very fortunate. I was just actually talking to someone about this the other day. Very fortunate to go to like really good schools, like a private elementary school, specialized junior high school, uh, specialized high school, then a private college. I mean, I think for someone that was born in Brooklyn and East New York, it would be like, oh, really? You did all of that? I think some of the other people that I kind of grew up with didn't have those same experiences um, and opportunities. So grateful to have those, those opportunities. Um, and tapped into my love during during that time, tapped into my love with the arts, thanks to my mother. Um, and have a very artistic base because she is a triple threat and toured the world dancing and acting and performing and stuff, different shows. And I used to go with her to rehearsals when I was younger. So that's how that kind of came about. So it's tapping into the artistic bug that way. And then, yeah, got into acting, got into choreography, pursued a dance and, act, a dance and theater uh, degree in college at Muhlenberg College in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Then after that, I said, okay, well, this is great. Let's just do that. Let's do acting, choreography, dancing. It's great. Let's do it. However, as I was doing this, I was also tapping into other wellness and spiritual modalities. And the way it started was because my mother, uh, this is back when I was in college, separated from my dad officially. And she was going through a lot of turmoil, a lot of sort of, you know, internal issues with that. She happened to have a energy healing session by a uh, energy healer. So, so, your, so your parents separated. Parents separated. 
mother, founder, energy healer to work with her um, from uh, our church at the time, a very progressive church called St. Paul's Community Baptist Church in East New York and Brooklyn. And um, met with someone, got an energy healing session. After 45 minutes, she was like, what'd you do? I feel such a weight lifted off my shoulders. So the thing is that the, the guy didn't touch her at all. Just waved his hands in front of her and my mom was like, what'd you do? You didn't touch me. Like, how, how, do, how do I feel better after 45 minutes? Oh. Right. So that led to her learning more about it, came curious about it, started to learn things herself about it from this other particular person. By the way, his name is Jeffrey Noble uh, of the Noble Touch. And from there, like she started learning stuff, she started to kind of, I guess, use her tools and techniques that she recently learned. She needed some guinea pigs to work with. So I happened to be a guinea pig because actually it so happened that at that particular time as she was learning energy healing from Jeffrey, just happened at the time I had an injury that I sustained in college and I couldn't dance for an entire semester. And I went to different doctors, they didn't know what was wrong with me, they tried to do different tests, couldn't figure it out, and I was still in pain. So I was out of commission for an entire semester dance. My mom was like, well, let me try some of this energy healing stuff I've been doing, let's see if it works. She just waved the hands in front of my, my leg where I had, you know, the pain. 20 minutes, the pain was gone. I said, what did you do? I need to learn this now. Okay. So that was 2008. So, so I have... Mm-hmm. 2008, your mom started doing the Noble Touch. Well, she's... Well, the Noble Touch wasn't around quite yet. She just started, oh. started working with Jeffrey Noble, learning from him. The Noble Touch kind of started a few years later. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, got it, got it. So you, so you were one of the case studies, and it was successful. And then what happened? It was successful. So then I said, well, this is great. Maybe I'll start to do this myself. So I started. I started it in college. I started doing it on myself. Whenever I had pain from my injury, uh, working myself. There were even a few times in college, I remember one specific time in particular where a friend of mine had a, had some throat pain um, and I worked with him and the throat pain after working with him for about 20 minutes, it was gone. So I was like, ooh, okay. So that's kind of how it started. But I would say delving deep into the practice seriously for me didn't really start until 2013 when I took my official like course in person. Right. Uh, about it. And then that led, I was in love with that, started with energy healing, and this energy healing system called Pranic Healing, uh, started by Grandmaster Choa Kaksui, and then that catapulted me to learn other techniques in meditation, therapy, hypnotherapy, sound therapy. Yeah, so that's that's been the journey for me. Okay, we're not going to just skip all of that. We're going to take one of these at a time. So, <laughs> I'm happy. so 2013 is when you got your certification. Correct. For the right. noble, right. for energy, right. pranic, which, which you did on me yes. at Mount Correct, correct. Yes, yes, Okay. And then after that, you started delving into sound therapy. Is that singing bowls? Correct, singing bowls. Yes. Okay. And what else did you say? And uh, aromatherapy. Okay with the oils okay and, and hypnotherapy now when did you start doing that hypnotherapy 
And the introduction kind of started around 2015. What? I want to be hypnotized. Why you ain't telling me you was doing hypnotherapy? I was doing hypnotherapy. And then I became, I became certified in hypnotherapy. What? Uh, certified in 2018. I, I'm, we're, I must be hypnotized. I must be hypnotized. I went to this hypnotherapist when I lived in Atlanta, bless her heart, and she wound up telling me all her problems. I can't even remember what I wanted to hit, be hypnotized for. That's crazy. So I need a proper hypnotism. Okay, well, I'm here. Do you do past life regression? Do you do past life regression? I I don't call it that, no. There are moments where um, a session might go into that, but I don't call it that because I'm, I'm not certified in that at all. Okay. There's okay. moments where it might, so I'm not CS. So I'm going to okay. say no, but it, it, it might come up. Okay. Based off the, based off the individual. Okay. All right, fine. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Got it. So I'll call Kadeem for past life regression, but you can call him for hypnotherapy and all these other things that we've already discussed. So with this wealth of knowledge that you have in holistic healing, did this, what's a good word? Um, was there any ever any contradiction with like the religion of the masses? Like did your mother already have, well, obviously she had a strong spiritual, did she have a strong religious sense? Like, do you come from a religious family, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, very strong, like, Christian household. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, however, I would say that my family, though, although we were very strong religious Baptist, it wasn't like this is the only way and no other way. Mm. In my family, they were already open to other religions and other spiritual truths already. Not that we were mm -hmm. practicing them at the time, but we understood, mm -hmm. yes, Christianity is one way to connect to divine. Mm -hmm. Christianity is the only way to connect. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm fortunate that I was, you know, in a, for the most part, in a very open family. I mean, even when my grandmother was having her issues with her sarcoidosis and COPD stuff, like... She went to church every Sunday, sometimes even during the week, a very Baptist traditional church. But she was very open, very, very open to all the tools that me and my mother gave her. Um, yes, yeah, so very open, which is great. I will say, though, working with other folks within the religiosity of Christianity specifically, I can't talk about other religions, but when I was working with specifically people that had a very strong religious Christian upbringing or background, like they would not like the work that I'm doing. Uh, I remember at one point, so back when I was uh, with the Noble Touch, with that organization, um, and we did a health fair at Circle of Sisters at Jacob Jackson Center, and I was explaining uh, to one particular person that sort of came to the table asking, you know, what is it we're doing? I started explaining it, and then she started to run away like this with her index fingers in her cross position, and said, Jesus bless you. Jesus bless you. And I was like, oh. So <laughs> that's what we're doing here. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. So that, that happened. I mean, I even, uh, I would say even lost a, hmm. Do you want to say lost? That might be the correct term or word. But I will say a friend, a very close friend of mine from college actually stopped talking to me 
Wow. Wow. Did you have any fears around that when you started to go down this path um, that those types of things would um, could possibly happen? Uh, it's definitely something that I struggled with and sometimes still do if I'm in certain circles or talking to certain people, there might just be certain things that I don't say. So what what's that like for you? Because what we're doing is, you know, it's a little outside the norm for African-American uh, communities. Right. Because African-American communities, right, sort of mainstream, I guess, Western culture. Yeah. Then I yeah. And other cultures are right. around the world. You know, I think for me, I, so to answer your question, yes. Yes, there was definitely was some fear. There was definitely um, some trepidation, especially, you know, with certain friends. I mean, I would say the, uh, the majority of my closer friendships were with individuals and still, and still are with individuals who are like very like strong Christian believers. Yeah. You know? And like that, they believe that, you know, Christianity is the only way and no other way. You know, sure. so I know for me that when it came to tapping into these truths and spirituality, you know, I realized there were certain things I, I just don't tell them, number one. Yeah. Number two, if I do talk about it, I talk about it in a way that they understand as well. Yeah. And I don't use chakras or auras or anything, you know, but maybe I say your spirit. Yeah. Or your God nature or the spirit within you, opposed to using other terms that I don't necessarily know. Absolutely. I do the same exact thing. And what about meditation? How might you describe meditation to somebody who, because even that term for some people is, um, and even yoga, there's a whole faction of people that believe that yoga is actually demonic. Yes, very true. Actually, you know, one of the friends that stopped talking to me, she was very clear. That was how she felt. Okay. Um, well. Right. I would say that for meditation, I use, well, the scripture say to meditate on his word day and night. It literally says the word meditate. So pray, which is great. Prayer is fantastic. Singing is fantastic. Praising is fantastic. Worship is fantastic. But all that is talking to God. Yes. Talking at all. Meditation is a time for you to listen. So yes. what moment are we taking the time to meditate on this word day and night? You're talking a lot, you're praying a lot, when when you actually listen. So that's that's mm -hmm. what I think. Oh, that's very truly interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. And so how do you stay with the way that you move through the world? Like how do you how are you ensuring that your actions align with your belief system? Mm, I believe I do it. I mean, for me, like I, if I am doing something, if I'm talking about something, if I'm teaching something, like I'm doing it because I'm saying it because I I'm doing it because I'm yeah. very active in it because I'm yeah. using the resources. If it's something yeah. that I don't believe in, I'm not teaching about it. I'm not I'm not talking about it. So yeah. for me, it started with me first doing it for myself internally and doing it and then sharing it from there. Got it. Got it. And so let's talk a little bit more. About, I mean, we've talked about what meditation is, but thinking about spirituality itself, what are your sort of thoughts on spirituality? Mm -hmm. Spirituality unites. 
lens, sometimes religion divides. Mm. For me, I realized that we are all spiritual. We all mm-hmm. have this sense of spiritual connectedness to one another, to ourselves, to our higher selves, to God. Whether you call God another name, whether it's universe, you know, divine source, Shambhala, whatever you call God, there is that connection to something that's divine. So for me, that is the spiritual aspect, like tapping into that which is not of the physical realm. Like how are we tapping into that other thing, that intuitional, that inner thing? Um, I find that sometimes religion though, it's more about, well, my belief is the only way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You can only get to the Father if you, you know, come through me. People quote that stuff in the Bible. Um, and I believe that when it comes to religious truths, that there's a inner teaching and an outer teaching. Mm-hmm. So the outer teaching, Jesus said, to you I teach parables. To them I, to, to, to the, to them I teach parables. But to disciples, he gives them the kingdoms, the, the, the keys to the kingdom of God. Meaning that to other people on the outside, they can only handle but so much. They can only mm-hmm. handle power. Mm. But the disciples, the people that are close to him, he can teach them the real deeper spiritual truths. So I think in mm. many ways, religions are focusing mainly on the outer truth or the uh. outer teaching. And not mm. the inner teaching that allow us to really tap into the oneness of spirit within everything. Amazing. Amazing. And so thank you for that. So I'd love to talk more about your art now and which is obviously an extension of the spirit right it's the spirit perfecting itself through your dance and and the things so you said you had the benefit of going to really good schools and all of those things um just tell us a little bit about your your art you know your art journey what that looks like like where that actually started and where you are now yeah so I mean, I have to just give props where props to do. Yeah. The mother. The mother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for her, I would not have been exposed to the arts at all. Yeah. Um, you know, so seeing her practice at home, um, mm-hmm. hearing her in her room listening to music, trying to come up with choreography to teach people at church. Because a, a lot of her practice I used to go to, although there were like some things on the outside in regards to her maybe sometimes doing summer stock or whatever. Um, but a lot of her stuff, by the time I was born, she was doing a lot more things within the church. Yeah. And our church, again, as I said before, St. Paul's uh, in East New York was very, you know, progressive and did different things. Had a dance ministry, had like a theater drama ministry. So there was always something happening at the church in regards to their artistic nature. So my mother was a part of the dance ministry and at one point a leader of the dance ministry. So she was always, you know, leading people, coming for dances, leading rehearsals. So that's kind of how I first got introduced to the arts in that way. And then later on started going to summer, not summer, to Saturday classes, doing dance in brighter style from African, West African specifically, to tap dance, hip hop. Um, back then when it was still called modern dance, not, you know, now it's kind of called contemporary dance. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then it also started acting as well. But, you know, to be honest, like, I think a lot of people know me these days as maybe dance teacher, choreographer. Yeah. My first love, though, was acting. Wow. 
And that was my first love. Like, although I was taking Saturday classes and dance and acting, at a certain point, I was like, hmm, dancing is cool, but acting is the passion for me. Wow. So for the longest time, I was really pursuing acting. I mean, I went to high school, LaGuardia High School for the Arts in Brooklyn, not in Brooklyn, wow, in New York City, Manhattan, for acting. That was my major, was theater, was acting. So it's not dance. So, you know, but it wasn't really till I got there to LaGuardia where I was like, I kind of fell back in love with dance because I actually discovered choreography. Mm. Because back then, I was, you know, prior to that, I was just really dancing a lot. Again, dancing was cool. But for me, it was the creation of the dance that I fell in love with. Mm. So once I got bit by the choreography bug at LaGuardia, but then also when I did go to a dance studio um, called Charles Moore Dance Theater on Saturdays, thanks to my teacher, Harold Lani, from junior high school, um, that's when I was like, whoa, this choreography thing is it. So then it became like choreography and acting. Went to college, pursued a double major in dance and theater. Um, granted, did not finish my theater major. I dropped in my sophomore year because I will say LaGuardia in many ways prepared you to get a job in theater and acting once you graduate. Like they told you, I feel like they told you every, not everything, but a lot of, of what you needed to know technically. Mm. When I went to college, though, it wasn't a conservatory program, and I feel like I was starting from scratch. And I was like, I didn't even have acting my first year in college. And then when I did, I was like, my sophomore year, I was like, oh, this is, this is not great. I'm very bored. So then I dropped my theater. Okay. So anyway, uh, in between my sophomore and junior year of college, so I felt like I was artistically dying. Uh, I decided to start my own dance company. And started my own dance company. And I did that seasonally from 2010 to 2012 after I graduated college. And I, I ran the dance company full time with my partner at the time, Angie Phillips. We ran the company together called Full Forest Dance Company. And uh, that was dancing, that was choreography. We got a chance to perform off-Broadway and do different things and choreograph off-Broadway, which is great. And then later on, myself individually, I got a chance to do some work at Madison Square Garden, and the Prudential Center, and perform in Korea. So, you know, it's all great. It's fantastic. So I feel like that's kind of where my sort of artistic kind of career took me from that. So, you know, learning from my mother, realizing I enjoyed acting, doing acting, choreography together, and they kind of just kind of just went into choreography mainly for the remainder of my artistic career, you know, full-time choreographing and dancing. Thank you. And so I had, you know, a couple of other artists on before yourself, and um, I'd love for you to talk about your thoughts or your experiences on the New York art scene, uh, being a creative, what that's like for you, how that's been for you. Um, yeah. A little bit about, you know, if somebody's listening, that's, you know, dreaming of moving to New York, like I was when I was a little child, you know, a little person, even as a younger adult, I always wanted to move to New York city and be an artist. So I'd like for you to speak to that a little bit, but yeah, what, what's it like? What's it like being a uh, working artist in New York city? In many ways, great, but also in many ways, stressful. Mm -hmm. um, great because, I mean, the arts here seem is, is booming. I mean, yeah. uh, lots of opportunities here to do different things. Initially, it was just really stage stuff and yeah. Broadway and theater. But these days, you do both. You do theater and TV film here because that has expanded tremendously. The TV and film work here, right. too. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's fantastic. It's very rich. Lots of opportunities here for sure. Um, also say it can be stressful at the same time because it is in many ways a constant grind to like get in and to audition and to meet the right people and to uh, yeah hold down what you want to do that passion mixed with also realizing hmm I also need to have rent to pay I need to get food I need to do laundry so there's all the things you have to do right you got to pay these bills so it's like to balance this passion for what it is that you want to do with also like living a life that's allowed you to sustain your day-to-day needs as well yeah so there's the um, I feel like I always tell people that feel like they have a dream. They want to go to New York City. They want to try acting. They want to try artistic things. Do it, Tony. Do it. Go for it. Full force. I think that you just you just never know where that will like like lead you. You, know, you never yeah. know where you'll end up with that. You know, even if you know, even if you don't necessarily end up doing what it is that you want to do, I think sometimes the journey along the way makes you a better person and allows you to discover some other passions that you didn't know that you had. So yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And were you were you always aware of the journey or were you more like, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want my name in lights? Like, what was your point of view as somebody who grew up, you know, with uh, an entertainment family and living in New York City? Mm-hmm. You feel like that gave you a more realistic outlook than somebody like me from a small town watching fame and being like, Sex in the city and being like, I want to move to New York City. Right. Right. One of the things I was taught being at LaGuardia High School was all the fame stuff is nice, but what you want is you want to be a working artist. Like you want to be doing what you love and to be working at it in a capacity where you can support yourself. Yeah. They always taught us if the fame happens from that, then great. But what you want is just to, to pursue the work so that you're working at it full time, not needing to do anything else. So I think that because they drill that in my head so much, yeah. I think for me, my mindset was always like, all right, well, the fame, the fame will be nice. You know, it might be nice to see my name with lights and have, you know, the marquee and the top team, Austin moment. And get the yeah. flowers and the cameras. Oh, yeah. that's, that's great. That's amazing, yeah. right? That feels, that feels yeah. nice to have. You know, but for me, I was also like, okay, how can I work at this to make this also like my full time thing so I don't have to wait to use? That was, that was my initial mindset going in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my other question for you is, so you casually mentioned that you've danced overseas. So I'd love for you to tell us about that experience and how that all went down. Yeah. In many ways, a dream. Mm. A dream. Um, Having the opportunity to dance and even showcase my work overseas, I mean, specifically South Korea. So let me see, let me not uh, make this story too long because I can talk about this for a very long time. Uh, I am someone that's into Korean culture. So K-pop, Korean pop, Korean dramas, Korean food, Korean language. And that started for me in 2011. So actually the friend that no longer talks to me was the one that actually got me into the, the Korean stuff. And you introduced K-pop to me and to when we were at Bailey's, when you were right. teaching it to the, the young people. I didn't even know what it was. Right. So it started 2011, one night in college when there was nothing happening. This friend was like, let's go to 
you know, at that time, this place called the Multicultural Center, where they had, you know, multicultural life things. Kids can sort of go and, you know, kind of hang out. And that was like a safe space for students of color. So let's go to the Multicultural Center, she said, and we can watch a Korean drama. I'm like, I'm not watching anything with subtitles. Why, why, why I'm watching a Korean drama? I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, I sat down, started watching it. After the first episode, which was an hour, I was in love. I was like, what is this? And how can I watch more? So that started the journey for me. That was 2011. By 2012, I was obsessed now with K-pop and Korean food and Korean culture. So really since then, since 2012, I've always had their dream of wanting to go to South Korea and wanting to experience South Korea, wanting to just be there in the environment. So I had an opportunity. In 2017, I had actually had, had the opportunity to actually partner with the organization, which allowed me to go to South Korea and be there and perform and choreograph. So that was a beautiful experience because I've, I've always wanted to go to South Korea since 2012. So five years later, I was like, this opportunity came and I got a chance to go to South Korea overseas and do what it is that I enjoy doing, which is dancing and choreography. So like 40,000 people in like this huge stadium. And I was like, I made it. Wow, 40,000 people. It was awesome. It was great. So that was a dream. Again, being able to do that in South Korea, um, again, was a dream. So just being in South Korea just was phenomenal, was a dream come true. But then to be able to perform there, I think was just the cherry on top for me. And and would you, is that a place you want to go back to, South Korea? Yes. Or? I'm going to go there and stay there long term, at least three months. Okay. Yeah, just kind of try it out. Because I, you know, interestingly enough, I feel like we spoke about this before where I, you said that you feel like for you, London, you have a strong connection to London, and that kind of feels in some ways like home in some ways. Mm-hmm. I feel like for me, that's the same thing for South Korea. Like, I'm like, I don't know why it just feels like it's a sense of home. And I remember when I got off the plane and got outside and my feet touched like South Korean soil, I was like, this just feels so right. Yeah. It's so amazing. And like, I can also say, like, being in South Korea, I was only there for two weeks. Yeah. But it allowed me to hmm, it allowed me to discover more of who I am within those two weeks. Amazingly, like mind-blowingly so, because I was not I did not have the same issues of mm. dealing with racism when I was there. So same I didn't have to worry about people looking over their shoulder when I would come near them. I have to worry about people clutching their, you know, purse when I got into the elevator. Mm-hmm. I have to worry about the police, you know, if they came down the block, if I was going to, you know, if they were going to stop me and something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So for two weeks, I felt a sense of freedom that I've never felt before in my life. Mm-hmm. Back in experience. For sure. So you want to go back and experience that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. And- so I think after that conversation, because I think when we were talking about London and you were talking about South Korea, I don't know if we had been to those places yet. We haven't, no. And now we've both been. So so when I went, I was like, oh, well, this is why London feels like home, because it's New York City. Oh, uh, interesting. It's literally New York. It's like literally London. That's great. When I grew up in New England. So it's like, it's like all of like these, 
things that I guess you don't think of when you're growing up. So the town I grew up in was South Windsor, right, in New England. So I'm starting to put together, like, Manchester was the town that's right next to South Windsor, where I grew up. And I'm like, oh, ding, 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 Manchester, England. Oh, I get it. So when I went to London, I was like, well, these houses look like Brooklyn. And, and these houses look like D.C. Like, it looked like, like D.C., these row houses. So it's, it's, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. But obviously then there are some that's like, obviously it's very much Europe. But um, yeah, I just was like, oh, of course. They're the colonizers. Like, okay. So, um, but that's why I need to get my hypnosis from you and the past life regression so I could see if... Um, because I'll tell you this because this is a spirituality podcast. So, you know where the Safeway is in um, Brooklyn, in um, Red Hook? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, that used to be my spot. And then they started doing all this stuff. So, and you can't really hang out there. Well, you can't. Anyway, whatever. Anyway, I used to hang out there. And there used to be these benches. And you could sit and look at the Statue of Liberty. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the Statue of Liberty and all of a sudden I start to feel transfixed, like I'm going into a trance and I start to become like overcome and feel myself like on a boat and like, was I, was I coming to Ellis Island? I don't know. And then I saw myself like walking down the cobblestones because, you know, like in the village and stuff like that, where there's still the cobblestone and stuff. I saw myself like walking on the cobblestone. So I must have had a past life in New York because it's always been New York and London. Those are the only two places that I ever wanted to live. So interesting. I know. Like little, it was like the scene changed right before my eyes, and all of a sudden it was like old timey, and I was like on the boat, and I could see the Statue of Liberty. Wow! Yeah, I'm sure there's something there, past life, something, something there. Yeah, right. Figure out what it is. That's right. You got hit inside. Find out. That's right. That's right. That's right. And to the yeah, it's it's all very interesting. I'm pulling out my past life deck. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, no, it's all very interesting. And even now, I'm driving a Mini Cooper. Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 wait. Since when? Twenty twenty. Okay. I was like, shit's crazy. Like, I don't know what's happening in this world. I just need to buy my car. Congratulations. The exhaust system fell out of my truck. And I was like, "Mm." I got it fixed. And then it still wasn't. Hey, podcast listeners, as we just delve into this conversation about automobiles, stick around. Yes, this is the Magic Hours podcast. This is what we do. We talk about what we want to talk about. So I bring it up because obviously Mini Cooper was from London. That car. 
So I bought it. I bought it. Here I am buying the colonizers automobiles. Um, and <laughs> I was going to Salem because, you know, I spend my birthdays in Salem, Massachusetts. Get away. The <laughs> yes. so viewers, I made the sign of the cross. <laughs> So that's what I do on my birthdays now. So I'm driving through Salem, Massachusetts in this English car. And I'm like, what, what English person is like living their best life through me right now? Cause you know, it could be like some kind of spiritual attachment or something. That's like, let me live again. Oh, that's so funny. I did. As they're living again, you were also living your best life at the same time. I'm like, yeah, we'll just rock it out together. Like, because it's just interesting living in New England as an adult, even though I grew up here, just as an adult, having a different kind of consciousness um, about how things went down and how things were created that shape our experiences today. So, I'd love to hear from you, too, about your relationship to New York City. Oh, did you just roll your... (laughs) Listeners, for those listening, Dean closed his eyes and cranked his neck. tell you do you eat seafood oh my god they have the best seafood in massachusetts i'm not kidding the seafood is lit i mean it's good in connecticut but like the further you get up oh my god the seafood in massachusetts is lit yeah yeah, I, uh, I mean, I was in Maine many years back on a family trip, and the seafood okay. there was lobster. Oh, yeah. lobster of course, of course. Oh, the lobster fest in Maine. When is the lobster fest in Maine? Oh. Oh. I mean, years ago, I think it was like July, I think that's when we went. So I'm not sure. Wow. That sounds amazing. It is August 3rd. That's right, listeners. Now we're talking about seafood. (laughs) (laughs) It is from... (laughs) Exactly, right? Right, 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 right. It starts on August 2nd and it goes to August 7th. Oh, okay, great. So there we go. go. So you were in Maine and you found yourself having a good time as a youth. So such good food, good lobster for the lobster fest. Yeah, so it's great. But um, yeah, my relationship with New York City, I would say for the past three, almost-ish four years has been a bit complicated. But Mm. more like three. Because I feel like for me, I love New York City. Yeah. The whole of many things, many things here. I mean, 
Yeah. Um, I've been raised here. I've done a lot of amazing things here. You know, not that I don't want to come back. Yeah. But I feel like for me, like my living situation just needs to be somewhere else. <sighs> right. In nature, more expansive, not in a concrete jungle. And I've tried different moments to kind of move out and sort of hasn't been successful. I mean, there was one time I tried to go to Puerto Rico in 2019. That didn't work out. Came back to New York. Tried to go to California. I was there for four months. That didn't come back. That, that didn't work out. Now I'm back. So I think for me now at this moment, and this moment in juncture for me, I sense and feel. Hmm. And again, this is the like spirituality podcast. So That's spirituality podcast. That's right. That's right. We go there. I sense and feel that. Um, New York City, specifically. So if we look at, you know, again, spirituality, we're going deep. I'm just telling you this. So totally. I had a very clairvoyant moment. I was yeah. a very clairvoyant moment in November of 2021 where I was like, okay, so May, New York City, is going to be a lot of, like, negative karmic downloads to the city in May. So we're in May. But it's going to create heaviness in the city. June, it's going to look dark. And it's going to progressively get darker and be extremely dark for at least the next two and a half to three years. That's that's what I saw. Clairvoyant. And it yeah. actually does get brighter once the darkness yeah. passes. It gets much, sure. much brighter. It's so luminous. You know, sure. four or five years down the, down, down, down the road. But sure. I feel like for me, like, especially this month, I've been feeling extremely heavy. Like more heavy than normal, and I realize it's not my heaviness, but it's the heaviness mm-hmm. of what's happening in the city. Yeah, happened to actually be out the city a few days ago. I went out to the city. I went to Atlantic City, just you know, be yeah. by the ocean, the water. Yeah, felt much better. I didn't feel yeah. heavy. I actually felt when I got like two hours past the city, I felt mm-hmm. like on energy sense, my contract was like expand. I was like, oh okay. Yeah. Let me, you know, New York, New York City things, things are just they're just heavier. You know, and whatever yeah. things are happening in the moment. So, yeah. so that to say, I think for the past few years, I think I've sent some stuff and I've been trying to get away, but I've been pulled back more. Yeah. I guess they yeah. things up. Um, yeah. I can't hear you. Hang on. Okay, yeah, go ahead. You stop. Like whatever yeah. is happening, like I'm tying up some of the things that need to tie up so that I can now make an official clean cut. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, part of that too. I mean, you, uh, I'll say this for you and for anybody else who's listening who may not know, because I'm sure you know, when we want to make those big changes, it's so important to thank the place that we want to leave for the lessons and the blessings that it taught us and really say, that's what I've always done when I was ready to leave a city is to like thank my apartment and thank the streets and thank the place as a whole. Okay, like really to make peace with like leaving. Um, I'll tell you this. So for me in 2020, when they first started, when things first started to happen at like around February, some other and his spiritual friend and I, we were like, oh, we don't think it's going to be that bad. You know, we just didn't know. It was like the second week of February, even though I had been like down the YouTube um, 
hole with it um, since January. But anyway, we didn't think it was going to be that bad. And then all of a sudden I saw clairvoyantly the virus going through the city and going through the brick. And I was actually on my way to an acting um, class with, no, it was a playwriting class, I think, with a, with a friend. And, um, and we were planning to go grocery shopping and we were like, oh, we'll go in a couple of weeks to stock up. And literally I saw that, I had that vision. And at the same time, cause I had my truck at the time, the same time we both looked at each other and we were like, you know what, we better go this weekend. And we wound up going that weekend and just like stocking up on like everything. And so I moved to my mom's house, like the third week of February and I had like, all the stuff from my apartment. I had like big tubs of food and everything. She looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, okay, well, they looked at Noah too, so. I know I'm right. I know I'm right. And we didn't need masks or toilet paper or anything until August. Wow. Because I had, because I had, because I had had a survival kit in my house I don't know if you remember there was like a big box at the bottom of the stairs in my apartment I had bought it like two years prior and so when everything started to go down I just took that survival kit too and I brought it here to my mom's and I went to open that thing up child it was K95 masks in there yes Yes. And I had ordered it in like 2017 and he had just been sitting at the bottom of my stairs all that time. Oh, you were ready. I hadn't even opened it. Not opened it. And I was like, oh my God, not masks. What? So we didn't have to use those flimsy blue masks until August of 2020. And I was offended that I had to use those, by the way, because I had been K95 down. Of course. I, yeah. I had the goggles, I had goggles in there. I, so I went to the grocery store one day. So embarrassing. I had the goggles on. I had the mask. It was outrageous. I had the, the thing. I wasn't playing. Listen, I went too far. You protected. Wanted to make sure. 100%. A hundred percent. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I too have been on this journey um, since then of looking for places um, outside the city as well. And so I'm, I'm also wondering, so has this yearning f- for me, cause I've been wanting like grass and things like that as well. Never thought I would want that ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, all I ever wanted to, I grew up in the grass and stuff. All I ever wanted was to be in New York. And now I'm there like 11 years. And I'm like, mm, I think I'm ready to go back to nature. Do you feel like your spiritual growth um, coincided yeah, with that nature? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I was in order for me to, I don't know, of course, I'm still taking online courses and classes and learning yeah. like, more about spirituality and wellness and stuff. I mean, yeah. it's really grow more, like yeah. more than just information, but grow yeah. with like the spiritual body. I need to be out of the city and be in nature more. And be in nature. It's a struggle because today was like a great day. It's like we woke up, I took my mom to breakfast. It wasn't great, but 
Then we went to <laughs> the event space. Um, and it was a great, and I was just like, wow, like people are just out, you know, people are out. So it's like, oh, isn't it? yesterday we were here and Thursday we were there and, you know, and then the possibility of teaching these classes are all there in the city. And at the same time, I do have that same sort of desire for nature. Yeah. Yeah. And building community in a different way. Correct. Yeah. Sure, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Okay. You want to do your reading and then we'll circle back with a few more questions? Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, do you want to do overall theme? Do you have a specific question? Overall theme is fine. Great. So, we have this ancestor deck, and this is the deck that actually wants to come through today. Have you incorporated card reading into your practice at all? Is that something you're interested in? Something I was like thinking about maybe past maybe month and a half, two months. I'd be like, hmm, I should look into maybe doing something wrong. I think so. I think that could be really a nice addition, even if you just started with Oracle cards. I think it would be a nice addition to what you're already doing. Okay, so let's just, I'm going to just invite you to go ahead and close your eyes, let your shoulders drop, taking a deep breath in through your nose, exhaling through the mouth, and you're going to see, sense, or imagine a beautiful puffy cloud coming in through the window. And as you allow things to slow down and follow that cloud, it's going to take you up into the sky. Floating, feeling the breeze as you ascend higher and higher and higher with each inhale and exhale you ascend higher and higher until you come to a wooden bridge And you're not really floating and you're not really walking down the bridge as much as you are floating towards a figure. And as you get closer to this figure, you notice it's bright, shining light, its essence really. Shining brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And it's actually one of your spirit guides. Breathing in. Exhaling out. 
and you and your spirit guides walk towards two other figures on the bridge. And it is my higher self and my spirit guide. And we greet each other in any way that makes sense. And when you're ready, go ahead and say your full name three times. Redeem, Malcolm, Alston, Roman. Kadeem, Malcolm, Alston, Roman. Kadeem, Malcolm, Alston, Roman. And I just invite Kadeem, Malcolm, and Alston, Romans, most enlightened ancestors and spirit guides into this conversation so that he can receive the information, confirmation, and inspiration that he's looking for. And Zoe Flowers, Zoe Flowers, Zoe Flowers. And I just invite my most enlightened ancestors and spirit guides into this conversation, allowing me to be a clear channel, providing the information, inspiration, and confirmation Kadeem is looking for. Okay, so when you're ready, you can open your eyes and part of us will remain in the ether getting the information and we will return there at the end of this reading. But for right now, just go ahead and open your eyes and we will go ahead and get the overall theme. So ancestors, thank you. Wow, so interesting that we started off talking about writing and I don't know if there is something else that you um, have your mind on to write, but we have begin writing now. And it says, create, express, inspire. And so what I like about this book, this ancestor book, is it also talks about the where this particular person came from or the people that are associated with it. So here we go. So these might be your, you know, one of your iterations or one of your lifetimes. Inscriptions in Elder Futehark are the only surviving remnants of the language spoken by Germanic tribes early in the common era. The, this runic alphabet was used on stones, weapons, jewelry, and other items with the earliest of these inscriptions dating as far back as the second century. The peoples of Scandinavia had a strong, this man is out here, hold on. Can you hear that motorcycle? Yes, I do. I'm trying to give a real, this man is. Okay, Ponzi. All right, let's go. <laughs> My goodness. Okay, 
The peoples of Scandinavia had a strong oral tradition in which long passages of history and other important information was passed down using stories and poetry. By the Middle Ages, Scandinavia had developed new boundaries and the language had evolved into distinct dialects such as Danish and Swedish. The written language was influenced by the Roman alphabet. Wow. 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 Although the use of the runic alphabet did continue, the earliest recorded piece of Danish literature, The Deed of the Danes by Saxo Gram Oh, Grammaticus. Oh, I guess that's where grammar come from. Grammaticus. Go learning was published in approximately 1200 CE in the tradition of the region's storytelling and poetry. It told the story of the first Danish king from prehistory to the time it was written in the early 1700s. Ludwig Holberg penned plays, comedies, and works about history and philosophy. Okay, great. And then it says, the ancestors speak. Writing is a way to capture ideas, plans, dreams, and memories, as well as stories and history. It can also be therapeutic. You do not need to study or have any special tools to start writing. Now, isn't that funny how we started this story talking about the teacher and how she said you should be writing? And here the ancestors said, no, you don't have to have any special kind of study or any special tools. Put pen to paper and see what happens. Write for yourself. And as your creative talents are freed for others too. And it's so, so the divination meaning is you have a talent for writing and expressing yourself. You may like to share your gift with others by having your writing published or to keep a journal just for yourself. It doesn't matter what you write. It matters that you start writing and get your thoughts down. Write anything that pops into your head. Writing is a healing experience that helps you process things in your life. It can also help you inspire others. Okay. So... <clears throat> Let me say, I was on the train yesterday, mm -hmm. and there was another experience that happened on the train that I was like, oh, this reminds me of my Facebook series that I used to write, right? So I wrote down the experience on the train as it was happening, and then I was like, you know, I wanted to make my this like series of stories into a book, but I said... No, I think I need to make it into a blog post and just like post them on a the blog like immediately and like not make it into a book. So okay. I, down and I said, okay, I need to look up a blog website to just start posting these stories. Okay. And continue to have, you know, these sort of writing things, you know, about my experiences down. You know, so I have a, a log of all the stories that I wrote over the past few years, things that okay. I've seen the experience in New York City. I, I wrote, wrote it down, I have it down in the Microsoft Word document. And I said, okay, so now I need to just find a blog site to just put them on. So that's what happened yesterday. So confirmation that I need to Absolutely. A hundred percent. And so we have the day lily here for ephemeral. Right. And so that could be the experience that we're talking about. And then we have the owl for knowledge. And I'll go back and I'll read and see what the book says about um, the daylily and ephemeral. So this is um, this is my um, what deck is this? This is my um, shoot. 
You know, By I got the some... way, that's the flower when I was going up in the cloud. That's the flower that took me up in the cloud. This daylily? Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So this, um, it's not this one. It's another one. What is this one? It's the first. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It is the Hedwig. Hello, listeners. This is me digging through my collection of books. So this is my Hedgewick, Hedge Witch's Field Guide. And so this book has like all the herbs and flowers and things like that and like their magical correspondences and all of that. But I really am liking the deck. But Oh, it's Gemini season too. I gotta, okay. Um, here we go, Daylily. So I really like this artist. So all the cards I pulled for you, except for the Ancestors Guide is from this artist, Ciolo Thompson. So um, we have the day lily. So it says, in folklore, pregnant women wear day lilies around their waist to encourage the birth of a male child. So what is it about? What's this? What is it? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, let's see. Um, the oracle word for this plant is ephemeral, inspired by the fact that each day lily blossom only lives for a single day, reminding us of the temporary nature of everything in life. It can be very helpful in times of difficulty to remember that everything is fleeting. Some day lilies blossom at night, a metaphor for beauty born in moments of darkness so that's super interesting as we have this owl here that actually is a nocturnal animal and we have the day lily that sometimes blooms at night and this is to remind us that you know yeah life is fleeting so it's like begin everything that you want to do go ahead and do it now right don't wait on that because there are people that want to hear from you. So I always, um, so a friend of mine said this to me, so I'm going to say this over the air too, a reading she got about the owl. So we know that the owl is about wisdom. It's about knowledge. It's about truth. And one of the things that she said was within every lie, there's the truth. And within every truth, there's a lie. So it's like looking at what kind of knowledge, what kind of truths you want to share with your writing and what kind of lies do you want to dispel? Or maybe even not focusing on like lies dispelling, but focusing on like, how can you raise the vibration? How can you use your writing skills and your talents to raise the vibration of the, you know, of the people, even if it's just like giving them a little laugh or whatever. So, so we've pulled from her animal oracle, we've pulled from her plant and herb oracle. Now we're going to go to the um, tarot deck and see what the tarot deck has to say. So Spirit, what do you have for Kadeem, please? Not as a clarification for these other cards, but just in general, what is the overall theme? Thank you. So we have the six of pentacles in reverse. So that's super interesting. So the six of pentacles, it can be a card of like giving and receiving, but it can also be, and here we are in the retrograde. The six of pentacles is a card of nostalgia, right? It's like bringing back old memories and things like that, which is perfect for Mercury retrograde. 
upgrade because this is a time to revisit our relationship to commerce, to community, to communication, all of the things that the planet Mercury rules. And so this being in reverse, so it's like you're going into a very adult time. Hmm. Also, um, breaking up issues of the past is what I'm he- is what I'm hearing with this um, six of pentacles reverse like not looking to others to give you like breaks and things like that but really coming into your own stepping into your own and forging a new path interesting um a new path that's built also on your knowledge and um your understanding so yes writing the stories is important, but it could also be you writing down your experiences, your spiritual walk and things like that into um, another book as well. So we're gonna pull from the past life oracle and we're gonna just see how the past, how your past life um, is influencing this life. So spirit, how is Kadeem's past Interesting. So remember, we talked about that fear, persecution, and inquisition. So we talked about the fear of being in the world. Wow. And like fully stepping into, you know, sharing the secret knowledge. Because again, remember, the owl is also about secrecy, sacred knowledge, and wisdom, and secret societies, and darkness, and all those things. The owl is very much a representation of that. And so it's like, in, in the ways that you are being, that you're afraid to put yourself out there, this is a remnant from a past life. Mm. Which makes sense. Yeah. And a remedy for that, great. So we have garlic. So a remedy for that fear Garlic, and we have service here um, as as the key word for garlic. It was in reverse. And so this could be a response when you're feeling nervous and things like that. Just understanding that this is, this is a part of why you're here. Sharing this sacred knowledge and wisdom through writing and these other things. That's actually why you're here in this moment in time. Now the goddesses are ready to speak. Excellent. So the African goddess rising. So let's see what the African goddesses have to say for the overall theme. Okay, so we have surrender here. We have set, and I'll read the book from that. I'll read the, um, she is all about surrender. And then we have Mama, Mom, Mom Lambo. And this is about self-sabotage and taking care to not sabotage your own self with these fears. So you want to go ahead and surrender these fears and focus on the service, not just service to other people, but also service to yourself as well. Mm. Because this is how our fears are how and our self-sabotage is how the persecution and the inquisitions survive the present day. If the light carriers and the light workers and the light barriers and the spiritualists are afraid to shine their light in the world, that is how the heaviness and the negativity gets to live on. 
And so we have 44. So they're just saying surrender, goddess of spiritual surrender. She is associated with Nubia, Egypt. So the temple is the high priestess. So this um, particular deck is broken up into certain temples. So obviously the temple of high priestesses, I think this is, yeah, let's see. These wise women goddesses are keepers of the mysteries of the universe. Their energies at the crown of your head vibrate high with the color violet. So these um, these goddesses are also associated with the chakra system. So maybe doing some work with your crown chakra to help you surrender to the divine knowledge. It's interesting we have the ibis here, another uh, magical, mystical bird. But let's see what Iset says here. So the element is bush, which is earth. So it says, Goddess Iset is revered as magic as a magical healer and sorceress. She is she of ten thousand names. You may know her as Isis, her Greek name, or Aset, or Wuset. Iset was worshipped in ancient Nubia, the Sudan, the Sudan region, Egypt, and beyond. So her guidance says, let it all go. Say aloud, now I surrender. These words cast a spell, breathe them in. And in embodiment, it says, release control, stop bonding around struggle, hand the keys to the divine, allow spirit to carry you and fill in the gaps. You don't have to figure it out. God slash goddess has your back. Have faith in where you are at this moment. And the declaration is everything I need to know finds me at the perfect time. So what I would say, I don't know how long it's been since you've done um, a vision board, but uh, for wherever you want to live, go ahead and start collecting photos and things of that now, like trees and bunnies and deer and like all of those things. And put that somewhere where you're going to see it all the time and start to see, sense, or imagine yourself in that place I mentioned that when I got two hours out of New York City that's when my crown chakra opened and that let me know it's time so just surrender to it just surrender to it it's already done it's already done you've got the eye of horrors there at the top yeah, just surrender, just surrender. Mm -hmm. And and not even thinking about, oh, I want to leave because the city is heavy or whatever, but think about, oh, I want to leave because my crown chakra and the freedom, like getting to the feeling of freedom and movement and being by the water and, and all of that good stuff. Okay, so then we have for Mom Lombo, shadows of shadow of self-sabotage, and she is from the Temple of Shadows. And so that is, oh, and that's the illumination card and the illumination temple. And it says the shadows represent the greatest fears and the dark feminine with ominous creatures and monster goddesses of the African diaspora. The secret of the shadow self is that so-called monsters often have our greatest gift. Their energy vibrates incandescent white. And so um, these two here are, so this one is incandescent. So this is the chakra above the crown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it says, um, 
You're holding yourself apart from your blessings. What ancient pain are you trying to stuff down? So isn't that interesting? Because we got ancient pain and we have have inquisition. Um, And then it says, seductive patterns of behavior block your path and your power. Distractions, cravings will not bring you your best. So it just says move forward and ask yourself what inspired action can you take today? Mm. We love it. That's great. It is. This one? This one. Okay, one more animal and then that will be that. Whoa, oh my God. Did you? Wow, love it. And we were talking about the deer and the stag just flies out of the deck. And that's what stags do, right? They jump and, you know, kind of fly sometimes. Yeah. And and it says, so we start with begin writing now and we end with leadership. We end with leadership. So surrendering to your own leadership abilities. Wow. That's really, really beautiful. Wow. That's beautiful. That's great. That's awesome. Um, other questions for me? Um no, I think so. No questions. I mean, I think this is a great meeting. So it's good. Said, I mean, you know, some things that I had in mind already, I'm like, okay, confirmation for just a lot of things. Yeah. And other things I need to, you know, also start putting into practice as well. So this is very helpful. Yeah. Or just, or just surrender. Not thinking like you even have a bunch of stuff to do, but just focusing on surrendering. Right. Bottom of the deck, what you don't see coming, alchemy, which is hmm. oh, beautiful. Queen Nefertiti, what you don't see coming, alchemy. So magic is all around you. Love it. Love that. We love that. We love that. So that is your reading. So as we are bringing our conversation to a close, I'd love to hear um, what you would like. Did I add more light to the world? I feel like sometimes people say, well, businesses, they're like, what is your brand? My brand is this. This is my brand. This is what we do. I feel like yeah. my brand, if I had to brand myself, my brand is light. Totally. Like adding light. Yeah. Whether that was the teaching dance, choreography, wellness, spirituality stuff, even photography now these days. Like, light. Like, how am I adding more light to other people, adding light to the world? So I want to be known, um, I guess, in regards to my legacy, as someone who came to... Uh, enlighten the world and to make the world a much brighter place. I love that. I love that. And I feel like you're already known for that. I love that. That's like right on brand. So how can people find you and your work and your life? Uh, Everything is Kadeem One. So Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, 
everything. You go to Kadeem at Kadeem One. So first name K A D as in David E M as in money O N E. That's Kadeem One, right? That's social media website Kadeem um, yeah, you can connect with me there. Uh, all my resources to connect with me if you want to send me a message or get the book or take a few of my online classes and get my free meditations. All that is through the Kadeem One platform. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kadeem. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me on. This is a pleasure. You're so good at this. Thanks. Thank you. That was so, good. Can I, can I ask? What? <laughs> the way you said it. That's um, my radio voice. That's great. <laughs> well, I'm curious because, you know, you decided to start this podcast for a yeah. reason. Right? Obviously, yeah. there was a reason you started this podcast. So, what yeah. do you hope the listeners to get? And what do you, I guess, what do you want the, your legacy to even be? Oh, look at you flipping the interview around. Okay. Because I, I think the people need to hear from you, too, because you have yeah. so much to offer as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I wanted to start this podcast, for one, because I know a lot of interesting people like yourself and other people that I've had the chance to talk to. And so I just wanted to have a platform where we could have conversations like this. And so I could learn more about people that I even like know already. But I also wanted to meet new people from different walks of life. Um, and I wanna have, I feel balanced, you know, um, and that have a firm knowledge base. And I want to put that out into the world as well, because there's so much information out there. And I feel like some of it can um, trip people up because it's not always grounded is the best way for me to say that. And that's me as a consumer and a person who consumes healing and wellness content and readings and who is completely down the rabbit hole. I see a lot of things and I'm like, Oh, I don't know about that. So I wanted to um, have a platform for that kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely want my listeners to be inspired. You know, my company tagline is educate, inspire, entertain. Mm -hmm. That's what I always want to do. That's what Soul Requirements is all about. We want to have fun. You know, we want to we want to kick it, but we also want to educate people and we want to inspire people to delve into their higher selves and to live from that place and not be afraid. That's awesome. So we can raise the vibration. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Thank you for asking. So let's go ahead and um, go back to the bridge. Go back to the bridge. So you can go ahead and close your eyes again. Taking a deep breath in through the nose. Exhaling through the mouth. Following that cloud or flower, 
back to the bridge. Saying goodbye to our most enlightened ancestors or spirit guides in any way that makes sense. And of course, we're not really saying goodbye. We're just saying thank you and allowing them to or inviting them to go back to doing whatever they were doing before we, you know, call them into this space with us. Saying goodbye, your higher self, my higher self for the moment. And you turn and walk in an opposite direction and I turn and walk in an opposite direction. Closing this particular container for this moment in time. And I'm gonna count back from three and when I get to one, you can go ahead and open your eyes. So three, see, sense, or imagine a big beautiful yellow sun over your head, calling back all of your energy from any conversation you had today, including this one, pulling all your energy back, all your energy back from your computer, from people you might've passed on the street, pulling all your energy back into that sun and pulling that sun down through your crown chakra, filling your aura up with your own energy. Two, see, sense, or imagine another big yellow sun over your head, calling all your energy back from the past two weeks, the past three weeks, the past month, the past six months, calling all of your energy back from any conversations, any people, places, things, calling all your energy back from places where you may have left it, conversations, calling all your energy back, filling up that sun. Commanding that sun to come down through the crown chakra, filling yourself up with your own energy. And one, see, sense, or imagine another beautiful big yellow sun. Calling all of your energy back from past lives, keeping the lessons, but leaving anything else that no longer serves you in this lifetime, in the lifetimes prior. Pulling all your energy back, all the sacred knowledge and wisdom. Pulling that energy down through the crown chakra, filling yourself up with your own energy. And when you're ready, open your eyes. We did it. We did it. We did it. Thank you so much. So fun. So fun. Thank you again, Kadeem. So folks, you have Kadeem's information. Go out, buy his books, sign up for his classes. You will not be disappointed. And I am Zoe Flowers, and I will talk with y'all soon. Bye. Bye.